Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Willie Show Podcast, episode 10. Willie Show Podcast is the best drug podcast in Kerhonkson. Willie Show Podcast is podcast about the miracle of finding recovery. And you know what? We, we define recovery in different ways. I think recovery is anything one does to better themselves in their situation in life. And we are excited and we're happy and we're coming off an awesome episode nine with, uh, with Joe. It, it's so well received. I want to give a shout out to all of my Villa alumni out there. I want to give a shout out to Sue C., uh, owner and co-founder of uh, Villa Veritas. We love you so much. I want to give a shout out to Les. He's uh, just another influential person from the Villa who, who um, you know, I always remember Les in the mornings would say um, that he had a higher power who he choose to call God, and that always stuck with me. I want to give a shout out to all of my guests. This is episode 10, so I want to give a shout out to Todd, to Gregory, to to John, to Tracy, to Melissa, my girl, to Brian. Brian, I want to give you congratulations. I know your one year is coming up and the world is a better place because you are sober. And a shout a shout out to my boy Sal, my my uh my super incredible new best friend in the world and I think that's that's the guest that we've had, John. And listen, we want some emails. So please email us at willyshowpodcast at gmail.com. And we want to hear about your first trip. The first time you took psychedelics and what it was like for you. Or we want to hear anything. Send us your artwork. I'll throw it on Instagram. Send us your opinions on the show. Maybe you want to come on the show. Um, yeah, but today we have a very special guest. This is a guest that I've been trying to get since, uh, week one and Todd's wife, Stacy set hit me up. was like, you got to hit this person up. Uh, his name is Julian better known, uh, on the Instagram. He's an Instagram influencer, better known as Jewel does hair. He is uh, a hairstylist, and that's putting it mildly. You got to check. He has like 100,000 followers. You have to check out his page. It's so sick. The things that, that, this, that this human being does to make the rest of the world a more beautiful place, it's just it's absolutely incredible. And then the story that, you know, he's going to break down for you, you know, just hold, hang, hold on to your butts and... Um, you know, he's going on tour. He'll be on the Does Hair Tour 2023, Two Artists, Four Techniques. And, you know, if you're listening, Julian, and you want to throw throw a little link to the Willie Show in your in your story, I'm not going to be mad at you because I'd take at least one of your 100,000 followers if they want to check us out on our Instagram, at us in all your stories, Willie Show Podcast. And listen, we're going to get right into this thing. We've got exciting stuff coming up. And, you know, once again, just another another sick edition of Garbage Head Fairy Tales. I'm over the moon. This podcast has really enriched my sobriety and given me a deeper understanding of of how other, you know, just how just just like just like like a zest for life. Maybe that's why I just it's like, boom, you know, and I get to have these conversations with incredible people. And it's all about like finding the message in our stories. And, and, and when it comes to people that have dealt with addiction, when it comes to people that have dealt with alcoholism and the stuff that we talk about, you know, it, it just it's just so obvious to see the miracle. And I'm super stoked to be alive today and it's Uncle Danny's birthday. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call Uncle Danny at the end of the show and wish him a happy birthday, read an email. So that's enough out of me. Um let's get right into it. Hi. Hi, Willie. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking this time. Yeah, absolutely. uh, um, So do you prefer Jewel or Julian or? Um, Usually Jewel. Uh, Julian's fine. I don't care really either way. 
Okay, I, I'm like so I prefer Willie, but just the only thing I I'm not a Bill. Not Bill. No, I'm just not born a Bill. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Thank uh, you for having me. Unbeknownst to you, you have been my white whale. Uh, <laughs> we have a friend in Stacy, and she um, she's going to be very excited. I haven't told her yet. That yeah, she. she- Stacy's a great, she's great, and I, I did see the episode that you had with Todd, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Todd's a wonderful human being. I tried reaching out to him earlier. So, um, it, it's, a simple, it's a simple show, you know, I think the magic is we tell some stories, and somewhere, somewhere in that, like, the, a little message of hope comes out, you know what I mean? Got and, it. And, um, what else was I going to say? First off, I like the new hair. I've been, um, I've been uh, scrolling, you know, kind of doom scrolling through your Instagram. The, your curly hair that you used to have was one of the most. It was just beautiful, but this is also wonderful. Thank um, you. So I feel the, I feel more adult now. I feel oh, yeah. more mature. <laughs> okay. Um, for the listeners that don't know, you are a hair stylist specialist. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, an influencer on the internet. You have 98.7 thousand followers. That's incredible. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that must be humbling for you, right? It's cool. It's great. It's uh, it's done a lot for my business. Like I wouldn't be able to be on my own and have a salon and you know be able to do what I do with without it. So uh, it's definitely it's definitely been a, a really good journey for me. You know, yeah. building it up. Yeah. So, um, also my friend Kelsey is another one of your clients. I don't know if you know. Yeah. And she always has fantastic hair. And now I know why. Kelsey and her father. Her father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to ask you for hair tips. I love my hair. I've got some natural highlights. I normally let it grow really long. And about once a year I cut it. uh, And I just (laughs) let it do its thing at skin. And, you know. You got to have change. I mean, it's hair. It grows back usually. Yeah, yeah. So far, I've got a Nicolas Cage receding hairline that's eventually going to come into play, but so far, so good. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, wherever you want to begin, I mean, maybe first off, why are you so passionate about life uh, right now? I, I mean, if for any of your followers, your posts are, yes, they're um, style tips, but they're also inspirational about being positive and 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 not letting uh, I think I get a lot of not letting others get you down or not letting the world crumble around you. Yeah, and, and I mean that's that's the whole general like message that I try and put out. Obviously, like sometimes it's really really difficult for us to stay positive, but I like try and push myself to at least like try and speak in that way. Yeah. Uh, I just I just feel like it's I, so much time is wasted on like being negative and uh, glooming and, um, you know, being gloomy over things that we've done or, you know, all the negatives in life. So I just find that like, I don't know, it's just good. It helps everyone that's participating to hopefully feel a little bit better about life in general. And because like, like I always speak on my page and I know a lot of, I've gotten flack back from it because, you know, it's my professional page um, but a big thing that I include in, in any of my classes that I do or, uh, you know, all of my clients, all of my followers, I, I talk about the stuff that I have gone through Yeah. in hopes that, you know, it'll just make me a little bit more relatable and people can see that, you know, like if, if this like dirty gutter punk kid, you know, who fucked around, sorry, excuse no, me. No, 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 you're good. This um, is all, this is all in. You can say fucked awesome, around, awesome. you can, whatever. <laughs> this is like a no holds barred situation. Yeah, I mean, if, if I could, you know, come out and be in a pretty solid place right now, I feel like most people can, and I think a lot of people just don't give themselves the time, or, you know, something that I struggled with for a long time is I felt like I was, I was holding myself back for a long time, and I got mm-hmm. so far behind where I should be, but there's, the time always happens exactly how it's supposed to happen. So that's why I try and like tell people about. I think also when, I mean, I'm assuming Stacy introduced us because you must have some struggles with addiction. And I did see some of that, but I'll let you tell your own story. But like, I know for me, when I'm in the depths of like a, a real good four day, you know, Coke bender and I'm putting, you know, and I'm doing anything I can to escape or to just numb out. 
the the negative self-talk is outrageous you know it's so real i mean um for so long it was almost i would walk around talking to myself completely alone drinking and doing drugs you know what i mean and the things i would say oh, yeah. were absolutely horrendous you yes know, it's hard to escape that pattern when you're just constantly like you're your own worst enemy in your head you know and i think we're we're all that way like you know ev- everyone you know, people speak about, you know, people being in your way or being your competition or keeping you back. But I think the only people that are actually in our own way is ourselves. Yeah. So I think it's like taking a step back and realizing that, like, if we perpetuate that, like, negative talk and that bad self self-talk, it's going to affect us in the way that we feel. And it doesn't help. Even if I do feel like a, a giant piece of shit. Sure. I shouldn't say that I feel like a giant <laughs> shit all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's go into it. Um, you know, where'd you grow up? What was it like? You know, um... so I um, so I'm 32 years old. I've been living in upstate New York for seven years. I originally grew up 20 minutes outside of New Orleans in a place called Slidell, Louisiana. Oh wow! It's it's 20 minutes across the lake north of New Orleans and about 15 minutes from the Mississippi border. So it's it definitely an interesting place. Not not quite as um, as vibrant as the actual city itself. Uh-huh. Um, very very um, common thing growing up was, uh, I mean, everyone I knew. The only thing to do in town, or at least from what I experienced, was get high and do drugs. Yeah. Uh, so it it was it was an interesting place to live. You know, being so close to New Orleans, but also I feel like. Maybe it was just who I was around, but almost everybody I know that I grew up with, um, even cousins and, and family members, everyone that around me struggled with addiction. Yeah, drugs are also so attractive at a young age. They certainly were to me. I mean, I just, I, I was like, I wanted, I was like a, you know, I treated my body like a like a research experiment. I wanted to know what every little thing did, and especially when you combined one with the other, you know. What a beautiful dog you got there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry yeah. if he makes some noise. That's okay. That's okay. So what was it? What was the first uh, love? Was your first love weed or, or booze or? Um, so, I mean, I guess taking it all the way back, I can like kind of tell you what I, you know, where everything started. I remember being as young as like two years old and my dad giving me beer while my mom was sleeping and, and telling her, t- telling me, shh, don't tell mom. Um, and then, you know, but I feel like it was, it was in his eyes, it was harmless. Yeah. Um, and you know, I remember being six or six or seven years old, coming home from a boating trip with my dad and my uncle, and they had gotten me shit face wasted. I was throwing up everywhere. <laughs> and I remember my mom screaming and laying in on him really hard. Yeah. Um, so that was like my first introduction to any kind of substance. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't do anything until I was nine years old. I went and hung out with my. Uh, some guys that were my sister's age, uh, five years older than me, so they must have been like 13 or 14, and we got stoned for the first time on weed, yeah. or I got stoned for the first time on weed in the woods, yeah. and I think it was from there that, like, things, I was like, this is kind of interesting. I, I yeah. really like this. Um, by the, probably by, by the time I was 13, I was already drinking every day, and, and I had started taking uh, pain pills, uh, Xanax. Okay. Um and yeah, I was all, I was also uh, uh, right away, you know. By the time I was thirteen, I was a daily weed smoker. Uh, loved to drink. We I didn't have access to like uh, a steady supply of like pharmaceutical meds, but it didn't matter what you had. I was down for the get down. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I pretty much had I had problems with with literally everything. Um, I mean, I had gone through phases where I was I was down to the point I was huffing gasoline all the time. I've also yeah. huffed gasoline. <laughs> like, I've also huffed gasoline. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's shit that, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't, you, you don't, you're not standing at the pump going, man, I could get high right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I was just attracted to, to being out of my, out of myself. Yeah. Um, by the time I was, I was 15, almost 16. I had already been, you know, dabbling in like, um, you know, acid. And uh, I was doing lots of um, poke with my partner at that time. Mm -hmm. And 
my friend in uh this did was you our love friend. did you love acid i did yeah I, me too that's the one i mean i'm you know i'm good with not doing a lot of different things right now i'm i'm very happy even not smoking uh, weed for me right now is nice because um, mm-hmm. I spend so much of my energy towards it and my life towards it. And uh, But acid is just one. It really didn't give me a bad handshake. I know like for a lot of people, you know, I have um, uh, a friend right now who's struggling. Um, but acid at a young age for him was like a spiritual emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, it was more like a spiritual experience. Right, right. Yeah. Totally. It makes sense. And, and like one of the things that I, I still currently do, and I'll get back to like where things really yeah. got better for yeah. me, is I, I, take, I take psychedelic mushrooms. Um, yeah. I feel like it's the only way that I've survived this winter um, with depression. <laughs> sure. And I think there's a lot of I'm, – I'm really grateful for a lot of the – kind of the turn in, psych, in, in, in psychology right now where we're, where we're recognizing certain things as tools and medicines and ways to heal – um, during the end of my use, um, I was a tremendous garbage head eating mushrooms, LSD, ketamine, uh, Molly daily mixing mm-hmm. them all. The, I, my favorite thing was, I called it uh ketamolicane, where it was a little <laughs> bit of K, a little bit of Molly, a little bit of Coke. And I would do that while tripping and then smoke on a DMT vape. So for me, Ooh. that's not medicinal. You know, no, not at all. That's, trying to, that's trying to get out of your head completely. The spiritual pornography is what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, and, and so I, I just I, I, um, I know there's still stigma surrounding it. But, um, you know, in the right settings, uh, microdosing is extremely therapeutic for people. And, you know, it's stuff that I, I, I think more people should be talking about. But I'm glad the conversation has really started. On a nationwide yeah, yeah. scale, it's it, you know, it's it's, and I think one of the important things of this podcast is destigmatizing what it is that people think about, you know, uh, alcoholics or addicts or just people sober curious. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I think that's why telling stories is so beneficial. So anyway, no, sorry, you- that's my aside. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, I I completely agree. Um, but so I guess um, getting back to where. Yeah. All of this kind of began as you know, as my freshman year, and I remember my buddy, my best friend, till this day, he's my best friend. He's back in Louisiana still. He came up to me and he's like, "Hey, I have a friend that does heroin. I want to try it. Do you want to try it with me?" And I was like, "Hell no! I don't want to try heroin. Like no, <laughs> no." And he sat on it, and then the next day he said, "Hey, I'm going to get the heroin this afternoon." And I said, "I, I thought, you know." I, I very quickly, I was like, okay, well, I want to put in for it and try it. If you're going to try it, then I'm going to try it. I'm there with you. Yeah, and um, that that began, you know, a 13-year IV heroin addiction. Um, well, let's, I tried let's it. stay there for a second. Let's stay there for a second. Uh, what, what, what kind of, like, um, different regions, the heroin is completely different, especially, you know, nowadays it's a fentanyl world. But was it white? Was it, like, the China white that's in New York? Was it the black tar? No, when most of the heroin back in Louisiana was all like light brown heroin. Okay. Um, occasionally there would be black tar or white stuff, but it was typically just brown. So your first uh, time using heroin. So, but you you'd already dabbled in some opiate pills, right? Like you know, oh like yeah, yeah, Vicodin, yeah. hydrocodone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just I think my first reaction to him asking me if I wanted to try it is because you know I knew. That this is like one of the most addictive drugs in the world, and I knew sure. myself. Yeah, I knew myself fully going in. Yeah, I'm like, we know this who is we probably are. Probably a terrible fucking idea. Yeah, you know, I knew it was an, a bad idea because the first day that he asked me, I said, "Fuck no," and you know, and the second day, I'm throwing down. At least let me help you and throw down half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so I tried it that night. I remember getting violently ill. Yeah. I, 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 I snorted it the first night, the first mm-hmm. time I tried it, and I got violently ill. I couldn't lift my head. I was I was vomiting. Like it was the worst experience that I've ever had. So it didn't feel like a comforting warm blanket. No, it felt like like I was way too high and my head was pounding and I was dizzy. I was just so dizzy and sick. Um but the next day he said he we were at school and he said, I'm gonna try it again. And I said, Okay, I'm gonna try it again. I just do a little bit less this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that night, we went over to our friend's FEMA trailer, and uh, 
I shot it up. His his friend his friend was you know cooking up, and I was like, "Look, if if you said it's a waste to snort it, I want to do what you're doing." Yeah, and I did that, and then you know it was it was it was done from there. Is that your first experience with a needle? Yeah, that was my first. Uh, yeah, and pretty much for you know the 13 years, everything I consumed that was I could, in a needle. Yeah, anything that I could put in a needle would would go in a needle. Yeah. Um, even things that shouldn't have been going in a needle, they would go in Booze? a needle. You ever, you ever shoot? Um, you ever shoot like Jack Daniels or tequila? I never, or? I never shot alcohol. No, uh-huh. um, but you know, I, I shot pretty much anything else that you can imagine. Um, you know, I've, I tried shooting ecstasy before. How was that? Uh, that can be fun. I, I don't think it was very good. It was like no. a waste of the ecstasy, basically. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like I. After that first time, I got kind of like that fixation to to using a needle, you know. So you so, um, it's it's so terrible, right? Like I'm I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday about how like there's things that I'm frustrated with myself about and not not being an I I'm the type of person where I was like fuck I'm sober now like I missed out on intravenous drug use like fucking i always wanted to shoot coke and i had a buddy one time and i i uh, had gotten with like a co- caught with like a quarter ounce convinced my significant other that like i that like i had to sell it she had thrown it out i got it back. whatever long story short i'm at my buddy's house i'm like we got to do this all and we got to do it now i brought a gambit of drugs and um he was taking the coke in the corner and i was getting mad i could barely fit it up my nose anymore and everything hurt you know and um like, what are you doing? And he's like, you don't want no part of this, you know, because he was making speedballs. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a resentment over that forever. Like, what the fuck do you, you don't tell me what I don't want. I absolutely yeah. want a part of what's going on. <laughs> and uh, it was funny yesterday. I was like, I should have just told him to leave the heroin out. I know that's what he was, because I could have shot the coke with him, you know. And um, yeah. uh, only an addict brain thinks that way, right? You know. Exactly. But yeah. you're very lucky to have a friend that, that, that wouldn't let you because I – you know, that's the one thing that I have been around so many people who wanted to shoot heroin and I have been played a huge part in a bunch of people using needles for the first time and really yeah. going off in their addiction, which I feel terrible about. But again, it's not it's also that responsibility isn't on me, at, no, you know, in, in some way. But I did help, you know, push it. Um, did you like the ritual? Was was there a lot? Was was the ritual as much of an addiction? Oh, absolutely. I mean. Definitely. I mean, there there was times where I just injected water because yeah. I I, was, I I just needed to feel like I was doing something. Right. Um, and there definitely was kind of like a ritual feeling to getting someone to try using a needle for the first time, which is awful. But yeah, uh, yeah. was there it, any? Was there any? So so that's thirteen's the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Of that, and you said it like about a thirteen round of that. Was any of that time enjoyable? Was there any funny, dumb stories from that? Like, do you, is there any euphoric recall even of like <laughs> something absolutely you know ridiculous thing you did? Do you have any good stories of that, or not really? Or with with heroin, I I really cannot think of anything that I'm like, wow, that was really hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. I football. Yeah. I like, or so like, wow, I was a fucking idiot. I'm I'm really lucky to still be alive. Yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, no funny stories or really anything yeah. enjoyable. A lot of um, overdoses, a lot of um, hospital visits, uh, psych wards, rehabs, detoxes multiple times, um, and a lot of friends dead now, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think more so the, the whole heroin experience, I, and I still say this day, I loved the way that it made me feel. Of course. That's why people do it. I mean, it felt great. There was nothing like it, but it was pretty much just misery, you know? And during this time, heroin is the main girlfriend. You're yeah, not, uh, you're not you're not cheating on heroin with a lot of alcohol or a lot of speed I mean, balls. I was, I was still drinking a lot. I yeah. was I was shooting a lot of crack with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and but for from like you know fifteen to eighteen, it was pretty much mostly just um, injecting heroin. Um, you know, after that, I, I ended up getting arrested at 17 for possession of heroin in Louisiana. I got set up by a narcotics agent, um, and I went to jail. I Kicked in jail? 
Well, I had to, and then I had had to go to detox and then rehab um, from jail after being there for a week. But yeah, I had to detox in jail, and they Oof. yeah they wouldn't give you any Tylenol or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was it was pretty rough. Um, so I guess I, I kind of skipped over at that point when I got arrested and set up with my ex. I was in hair school. I was about halfway through hair school. I dropped out of high school um, in my beginning of my junior year. Because I, I always hated school, yeah. but I, I was really bad on drugs and I didn't want to be there, you know. Um, and I already knew I was going to be a hairstylist. So I said, it's pretty pointless in me being here. Why don't I just drop out and go to hair school? Um, so I, I did. My parents signed for me to drop out of high school. I got my GED like two weeks later. And then, you know, three months later, I was in Paul Mitchell. About halfway through, I got arrested um, for possession of heroin. Went to jail for a week, kicked there, then went to rehab, and and um, I stayed clean from heroin for like two and a half years at that point. Wow. So let me just real quick say something before I forget it, because this is something that I don't have in my life. I find it beautiful in what you're saying that even throughout this addiction, you were given this initial gift where you knew that you loved working with hair. Yeah, yeah. I've never been given that. All I ever wanted to be was a was a was a good husband and a good dad. So mm-hmm. I got married when I was twenty, and I had a kid when I was nineteen. I've never set another goal for myself since. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I do feel very blessed in that aspect because people are always asking me. You know, everybody, any of my clients, and people always ask. Yeah. You know, why did, why and when did you start wanting to, you know, know that you wanted to do hair? And my answer was, you know, at 13 or 14 years old, I knew that I wanted to be a hairstylist. Yeah. Um, this, I just think that's beautiful. I, I think it's a gift. It's something that most people don't, you know, don't experience. And most people don't know what they want to do by the time they're 13 or 14 years old. You know, sure. they have ideas, but I mean, how much of it comes to fruition, uh, not, not, you know, not often. So I, I definitely feel blessed in that aspect of knowing that I wanted to do what I do. Well, one way or the other, you're a unicorn because as, as, as little of a percentage of people there are that know what they want to do, the percentage of people that have that situation and crippling heroin addiction and then come out to where you are now, it's, yeah. it's wow, you know? Yeah, and it, it was definitely... Um, it was, it's definitely helped shape who I am. Yeah. There's there's a lot to my story. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'd gotten I gotten out of rehab and I got I stayed clean for like two years because I two two and a half years because I was on probation. I was on felony probation. I had a ten year suspended sentence. So if I uh-huh. fucked up, I was going to go to prison in Louisiana for ten years. Hard so labor. fear fear kept you sober and the judicial fear, system. Fear was the only thing that kept me off of heroin you could um, drink i drank and i at that point i did get um heavily addicted to bath salts oh man <laughs> and i i uh i did suffer psychosis i was on them for about a year um i was having auditory and vis- 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 yeah. visual hallucinations oh, yeah. for mon- months after stopping i um I you, attempted- how did you get the bath salts so like i did a lot of bath salts but it was always under the guise of being like having drug seeking behavior and, and, and going for ecstasy. So mine was, uh, I remember what happened. I was smoking spice because I couldn't smoke weed. Uh huh. And, um, I had already gotten the okay from my probation officer. He's like, it's legal. I can't do anything. It, you know, it is what it is. So I was going to get spice at the head shop. And when I'm there at the counter, I see a little bag behind the counter and it said ivory wave. And I said, Hey, what is this stuff? And he was like, you know, it's like an analog of, you know, something that gives you energy. Yeah, yeah. And immediately I was like, oh, well, I'll take one of those and I'll try it. And I remember taking that little bag, going out to my car and hitting a key bump of it. And immediately it was done. You know, I, for the next year, um, I, I, I did everything I could to yeah. have bath salts. Um, yeah, it doesn't show up in your urine. It's, it was an analog that wouldn't, wasn't going to be tested for. Um, even though the technology for testing it existed at the time. Cause I remember having yeah. test kits when I was going to, to raves and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, 
That was that that period was probably one of the worst of my life. Yeah, yeah, dark, um, terrifying, like really, really scary things. Um, so you know, I was on those, you know, throughout probation, and um, I, after being on probation for like two years, I finally paid off all of my fines. Uh, my best friend, who who's not with us anymore, she she had gotten into hanging out with the gutter punks in New Orleans, you know, on the mm-hmm. river, and she started traveling and. And uh, she said, I'm about to go traveling again. You know, I'm, I'm going to go ride freight trains. And I said, well, shit, I'll be off probation in a couple months. Um, I want to go with you. I ended up paying my fines and I got let off probation early and I started traveling. Um, what and was those that were, like? It was, it's definitely an experience that I'm like very fortunate I had. It's, yeah. It was, it's a, like a, one of the last of like the underground American cultures that exist, you know, Um it was fun. You know, I had a lot of experience that I wouldn't trade it for the world. And, and it also taught me how to, uh, how to survive if I'm on the streets. Yeah. Can you describe that scene a little, a little bit, you know? Um, the scene is very, uh, chaotic, uh-huh. very, very, um, you're unsure of anything. You know, you, you don't know when you're going to eat. You don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know if you'll get arrested for for you know because a lot of what i had to do was panhandling um it was very much it was exciting and free but it was very stressful and it was extremely tiring um okay but it was definitely an experience that i would like you know it imagine just you know being around filthy yeah I'm romanticizing like all of the time. I'm trying to live vicariously through your experience right now, because that was one of my, um, one of my dreams was just to go, to let go, you know? And, um, I always thought like when my son reached a certain age, that would be my time to let go. I always describe my experience as like being like a Jack in the box, you know? And and I was waiting and I was just trying to hold off. And well, the Jack came out of the box too early and, and I'm grateful now, you know, but I just, you know, even whether it was dead tour or train hopping sounds, it just, so. It, it was, it was cool. Um, yeah. But so like while I was doing all that, I did that on and off for probably like five or six years. I was never consistent behind the salon, uh-huh. uh, in, in the salon because I, I was dealing with alcoholism and addiction. And, How soon uh, did the heroin come back into play out, outside of probation? Oh, after after I got off probation, I think about three months. Okay. It came back very quickly. Um, Did, was it because you had no defense against it or was it because you missed it? I just wanted to get high. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. I, <laughs> I I just wanted to be high, you know. Um, and I had already known the feeling, so it was something that I was comfortable with and that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I ended up getting really back on you know, really bad on heroin again. And, um, I went to jail a couple times for it was, well, I was back home. And in, in 2015, I, I, um, got in a fight with my partner. We, I stole, I stole her keys. I took my dad's credit card and I drove mm-hmm. to new Orleans from Slidell and I bought a couple bags of heroin and a bag of crack. I spent, did the speedball, and the next thing I know, I was waking up on the ground next to my car that was totaled with police around me. Yeah, I had T bone. I had fallen asleep at, at an intersection and T boned someone. And thank God they did not get hurt because it was a family in there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I woke up, you know, halfway under my car, and I was in jail for a DUI, um, which I, I, I did get dropped. Because, you know, me being in my drunken stupor, I refused to give them any kind of blood or urine or breathalyzer or anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I managed to get out of that. But it was like a month after after that happening that I said I got an invitation from another friend who had moved up here to upstate New York who said, you know, you should come up here. I really want to see you get clean. I did it. It's a great place. You know, there's no heroin around here. Yeah, liar. <laughs> well, maybe there was <laughs> less or it was different. Hey, um... <laughs> Do you love it up here? I do. I love it. Gorgeous. It's, it's abs- gorgeous. Yeah. I just I, I hate the winter. Sure, I'm good with that. You're you're, you're <laughs> uh, you know being where you're from, fine. 
Um, I find beauty in the winter as long as I'm inside. I don't ski. I'm not into it. Uh, but it's beautiful here. There's a lot of beauty. There's like a healing. There's something magical in the Hudson Valley. My oh, opinion. totally. I totally uh, agree that. And it's like something about the mountains here. Like it definitely is a magical place. Like yeah. I, I want like all this winter I've wanted to leave, but then I'm like, I don't know if, if there's anywhere else that I'd want to live, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I do love it here. I'm, okay. And I'm, it, that was like seven years ago that I moved up here. Okay. Um, I stayed clean for like a month and a half. On your own, like, volition, on just the, yeah, the geographic well, cure? So how did you kick uh, that time? Or were you just you're just good at kicking? Um, I think I had probably used Suboxone or something. Okay. Um, and I had been on the Suboxone program many, many times over the years. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was more just so the people I was around, you know, they were, like, very against it. Um, but one day me and my ex said, I, you know, I found some heroin. We can go down to Newburgh and get it. Yeah. And that was it. Then it started yeah. another, another. And were you on, um, you were able to feel the heroin regardless of the Suboxone or how does that transition um, work? I had taken the Suboxone just to, just to kind of detox off the heroin. Okay. So you didn't stay on the Suboxone. No, I mean, there was times, you know, periods where I was on the Suboxone for like two years, but um, not at this point. You know, while so I was do you think Suboxone save? do you think that um, Suboxone can save lives? It definitely can. Me too. Um, it, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know because um, I, may, I probably just wasn't ready. So the way that I eventually got off of heroin and this June twenty eighth makes four years. Wow! Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's so pretty beautiful. Crazy thinking I'm like, I, I haven't done heroin in four years. It's pretty yeah. insane. It consumed like my entire adult life. Yeah. You know, um, but I got off of it using the met uh, using methadone, which. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it was it was just the time. Um, so I guess I can I can tell you how I ended up finally getting off of it and going on the methadone was that in 2019 in April, things had gotten so miserable. I was tired. You know, I was, I was sick of doing what I was doing. I, um, I downed a bottle of vodka. I did a little bit of heroin. And the next thing I know, I woke up in a psych ward. Yep. I, I guess I had, um, I had texted my partner because he was out the house. And I said, I, I don't even know what I said, but. He came back and you were checking found, out. He, well, he, he I had hung myself. Yeah, and um, they they cut me down. They airlifted me to Albany, and I was on IC a uh, ventilator in ICU for four or five days. Um, and they they didn't they didn't think I was going to live. You couldn't stand yourself, or you just couldn't stand to be around anymore. I couldn't stand myself. I didn't want to exist anymore. Oh. You know, life's hard. I know life, that. I know that. <laughs> I know. I have a couple um, suicide attempts, trips to the to the mental institution, failed suicide attempts. Thank God. And um, I just know that feeling. And and even having um, even having you know my my son who's seventeen now. Um, my my best thinking was the world is such a better place for him if I'm not in it. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I've, I, you know, that was thoughts that went through me all the time. It was like, look, I'm just causing people misery anyway. Yeah. Um, but when I woke up in the psych ward and I had to go out into the hall and I said, why am I here? And they explained to me while I was there. And then, I don't know, it was like in that moment, that week of spending that time at the psych ward that I just made the realization that if it had gotten so bad that I actually killed myself, um, like there was no point. I might as well just try and like not do drugs, you know, sure. and see what it's about. And that was something that I had never been able to get to. Do you ever, uh, do you have a, um, and you don't have to answer this question, but do you have a feeling like there's something going on? Like a, like, um, I'm not saying like a Judeo Christian God. I'm not saying, but like, I'm one of these guys that just feels like, um, like there's a reason you're here. There's a reason that didn't work out for you. I don't have to know what that reason is. I don't need a definition of it. I like trying to connect to it. I think that was kind of part of my psychedelic journey. Yeah. And, um, 
What you know? Do you have that? I definitely. So like, I'm like I'm very in an aspect. Um, I guess agnostic in sure. ways, which just and, means without knowledge. Yeah, I just don't know. Um, but I do like to think, and I do believe that you know. Obviously, if like I had, you know, I had uh, you know handfuls, maybe like ten or eleven overdoses that you know almost killed me. And I'm still here. I ended up in a car crash and I'm still here. And then I hung myself and I'm still here. There's got to be a reason why something's keeping me here because there was so many times that I should have not been here anymore. You know, I like to think that I like to, to spoil it down to as simple as like maybe part of that reason is you having a unique ability to help someone else with those exact same feelings. You know, yeah, yeah. I, that's, I like to, I like to think that that's my own personal belief in my life that it can be as simple as you have an ability to help one other person in a unique way that nobody else can. Absolutely. And I think that's where, why I like to be so forthcoming yeah. on my page about, you know, the, the stuff that I've, uh, gone through our experience because um i do know that it's helped at least and if it does help at least one person then it made a difference but i have people message me you know anytime i post about you know my story i do have people you know message me or or give me comments that say like it's helped them so much and mm-hmm. you know it's going to give them confidence in sharing their struggles because i like i i very very adamantly believe that um if we don't share our struggles and our actual true feelings with people, there's no way that we're able to like overcome those struggles, you know, because I don't, I don't think we can do it by ourselves. I don't either. Like you need to have a support system. Almost anything. Yeah. And and if you, if you're not being like forthcoming and honest about what's going on in your life, there's no way that anyone can actually truly be there to support you in a way that, um, I mean, people can support you, but you know what I mean? Um, so what is getting clean? Um, what is the initial, what does your initial support system look like in that period so, of methadone? And I had uh, an amazing support system and I always had a great support system there. You know, I come from a family, you know, that, that did everything that they could for me. You know, they had literally put everything towards me to try and get me help. A lot of love. Uh, a lot of love, a yeah. lot. Um, That's where your love. You seem to have a a loving aura about you. <laughs> so that's you. Cu- so you've been given that. Then that's where that's, that comes. I was wondering where that comes from. <laughs> that's funny. Someone I've had uh, clients tell me like you're very lovable. Yeah, you're very lovable, lovable, and like, loving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I had a you know I had a great family and I had really good friends. All of my best friends. Um, even the one that I had first used with, he's been clean like five years longer than I am. Wow. Um, him and all my other really close friends and my family, they had all been gunning for me to, you know, get clean, um, and help myself. And even at one point, my best friend who, again, she's not here with us anymore, but she stopped talking to me for like a year and a half because she said it hurt her too much to have a relationship with me while I was, you know, using, um, so, I mean, I had, like, real love in my life, and I think that helped a lot. Um, and I think I just had gotten to the point where I was just I was just kind of fed up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably the best decision I, I could have made, you know. So I, I think just having, having people there, even just people that were open to listening to me, you know, did a tremendous amount of help for me. So a lot of our guests we've had on um their path was probably the most um known path right they they a lot of them used the 12-step modality went mm-hmm. to a lot of meetings stuff like that uh was that something you ever got involved in is there so, is there so, you know or is there another path or uh, so i i had like attended and i was in and out of um 12 steps for, for years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was in the majority of it. And especially in the beginning, it was forced upon me. Sure. Um, and I feel like I kind of had a little bit of resentment about that. Sure. Um, That's got, I believe that has to be a common experience. Yeah. And personally, 
I, after all the experiences that I had, it, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know, I know so many people that it works that for. That it does work and, for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing is because you have a community of people. Like that, again, that that's the, me too. I think that's the, the gutter, the gut level of it is, is you went through this and something happened and I'm going through this. What happened to you? They're just the, the bare bones of human connection is what yeah. works about it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I didn't, once I had gotten off of heroin, I didn't do 12 steps. Yep. Um, I did some group meetings and therapy, you know, yeah. with therapists. And you found that helpful? Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely helped, especially like through the very like first year or two, it definitely helped talking to counselors and stuff because it was just a way that I can, you know, say everything that I need to say without having to say it to my partner or, or oh, my yeah. mom, you know? Yeah. Um, so if I do like, I like fully believe in therapy. I don't currently do therapy, but Me either. Uh, but I, I know again, that works really well for people too. Um, I think like people's paths to finding, to finding being able to stay clean and can look so drastically different than other people's. I, again, like I know many people that, that didn't use any kind of medications. They didn't use 12 steps or anything. They just did it, you know, on their own. Um, Are you you ready for a silly question? Yeah. Yeah. Did hair save your life? Did getting involved save your life? You know, I do actually think that, you know, it's definitely given me a purpose. Yeah. Um, And if I had never gotten clean, I would have never gotten to the point where I am now. Um, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty happy with where things are going for me. I, you know, I get to educate. That's something I had always wanted to do since being in hair school. I wanted to be an educator. I looked up to the platform artists and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I always liked sharing things that I know with people, you know, um, like sharing knowledge and skills is something that I was always drawn to. So once I got clean, I was actually able to start focusing on my career for the first time. And I really honestly, like, you know, I've been licensed to do hair for almost 14 years, but I kind of feel like I've only been doing hair for like, you know, four years now. Yeah. Because I wasn't ever in the right space to build myself in my career. Yeah. Um, so I'm still fairly new to it, but, I, you know, if I hadn't gotten sober, I wouldn't have that. So maybe, you know, hair has saved my life. It's given me a purpose. Yeah. And how did social media get involved? I mean, how do you go from... um you know, being a gutter punk in New Orleans, <laughs> hopping trains to having a hundred thousand followers. Um, what is it that, about social media? Or do you just, you know, do you have a search engine operator? Did you just, I don't, but, uh, so what it was is that impressive. I, I, I had a, I had social media, you know, since I was a teenager and I had this Instagram since like 2000 and, 15 or something, but I used it as a personal thing. Sure. And I got into a conversation during the pandemic with other hairstylists and I was seeing that, you know, I started using Instagram more and I was watching other hairstylists and I was looking and I was like, wow, these, these people are like doing really well for themselves through social media. And I saw that people were, were building their careers and making a lot of money. Um, and money for me is always a big driving factor. Yeah, why not? Why not? I, love, hey. I love money. I don't, like I don't, it. Not ashamed to say it. I love yeah. money and it drives me. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I said, you know what, if, if people are doing this, like I should at least try. And so I took a couple classes online and I just started posting. You took classes about social media social, online. Yeah. Um, really? and, and specifically social media for hairstylists. Really? Um, so, so it exists. I, if, if it definitely it, exists. That exists. It's like one of those things. Yeah. Like, uh, like if you think it should exist, maybe it actually does. It probably does. Yeah, it probably I mean, does. There's coaches and there's online courses for just about anything, anything. you can imagine. Anything. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, maybe for recovery podcasters. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely. There's gotta be. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I mean, social media has been like 
that 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 part besides you know getting off of drugs like, yeah. that was like the other big driving factor into is it a dopamine is it, is it a dopamine itself it has to be uh, dude anyway so like so you know i don't know what you realize that you've gotten involved with me but like you're okay because i only have about 50 to 70 people that listen to this program but i get emails about how much it helps them so that makes me feel beautiful but i awesome. i ref i refresh and if i get every time i get one listen mm-hmm. on an episode i'm like bing like i'm high off that shit no it is that is that's the exact feeling like it is literally so addicting i will literally keep refreshing i'm like who commented who many like or i'll go check i'm like how many people have interacted with my post that i just put up you know and and then that also like it that really starts to put me in a downward spiral a lot yeah that could be unhealthy i guess yes it's it's unhealthy and I obsess over it. And also like things are not always going to be how I want them to be. I'm not well, always going to get that many <laughs> followers. You're going to get a lot of, so even if, even if 1% of 98,000 followers are negative, you've got a thousand negative sons of bitches in your life now. Oh, uh, why were you just looking at my, no, I, wasn't. I, no I wasn't. I was just doing, no, why oh did, so, did that happen? Yeah, and I knew it would because it's like a you know I, I do these pricing posts and people always get triggered about them. Um, oh, okay, got. I did see that post, but I didn't go through the comments. Yeah, uh, I love everyone. those posts. By the way, those are some of my favorite. There was one you did where you had the curly hair and like um, when I first looked you up and you like you were using an infuser and then you dried it like three quarters of the way first before doing the infuser and I ran to my wife because she's got. <laughs> the most beautiful hair. And I was like, babe, you got to check this shit out. I was like, I don't know if I'm getting them on the show. I don't know what's going on. But, yo, she was like, whoa, I got to try that. <laughs> you know. But I do see the pricing post. And, um, yeah, there's a reason. And I asked her about it even then, too. And it's like, because, like, she was breaking down, um, you know, her hairstyles and her prices. And she goes, yeah, I mean, I do this and it's this. So he did this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. Of course it's that much. Yeah. That's it. Um, but that's why I thought it was funny that you just said yeah, that, like all the negative, because I'm like, <laughs> I have. It was like the first post in a while that I've gotten so much hate on. I have comments restricted at this point because yeah. I'm like, I don't, I can't you handle, can't it, handle right it. You can't handle like, it. These people are making me so mad, and I shouldn't let them get yeah. me mad. But it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So you so. So there is a benefit to social media as far as having more business in the store. Like you, you, Instagram's not paying you for for followers. Um, Instagram doesn't pay me. Uh, Instagram does pay some people for views, but I I have not been offered that. Yeah. Um, I definitely get m- the majority of my new clients come through. They find me through Instagram. Um, and wow. you know. I, like transparent, like half of my income comes from social media. Wow. So, um, it, well, it's, that's a blessing that you deserve yeah. that, you know, what well, it's, it's great, but it's also a curse. And I was talking to, I was talking to my friend yesterday. I was like, you know, sometimes I wish I could just quit doing it, but I can't because I can't afford to. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, it's well, great, that's also, that's a lie because you have the survival skills of someone that could afford to have zero dollars and zero zero well, cents. Yeah, uh, you have acquired <laughs> incredible so like zombie apocalypse. You're making it. You're fine. You know what I mean? Like you you so. have survival skills. Addicts have survival <laughs> skills like no one else. And you've been in like you said a special culture that barely exists in this world. So, so you could. So point being. Yeah, you you need the money to grow this business, but yeah. you know, you know, we know the truth. You can survive a, off nothing. And that's that, you know that's true. I, I know how to I know how to get by, but yeah, uh, it, it's definitely something I advise like everyone to do. If you know, what's the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work for you. You know, no. So, well, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to end this, but I feel. But here's the thing: what would you say? What is it? Do you think you have a message, a simple message? Like, what would you say to somebody that's either sober, curious, completely down and out, or even someone that's that's gotten like, what is the message? So my message and like what I like to convey is that you really need to give yourself a chance because when you think things are starting to end or they have ended, usually it's probably because like your journey actually hasn't started yet. 
And like I said, you know, I, I had gotten to the point where all these years I had all these dreams of, of, you know, doing something with myself. And I got to the point where I just wanted to end my life. But the moment that I was given another chance after, you know, after trying to end my life, I, I figured, you know, fuck it, I'm going to try. And I am so glad that I did because I wouldn't, again, have the life that I have now. So I think that some people get like extremely discouraged or they have a lot of fear um, to do something that's uncomfortable or unknown. And I think people just, my message would be just give yourself a chance because your, your story isn't over and there's always, you know, more to build upon your story and it can always get better. It can get worse, but it can definitely get better. Especially if you're in a spot where, you know, you aren't 100% happy um, or mostly happy in your life or you're struggling. It, I mean, how much worse can it actually be? You know, like things can definitely be improved on. So I just think people should just not give up on themselves and, you know, do something that's uncomfortable and give yourself a shot. And and remember, like, really anything is achievable as long as you want it bad enough, I I personally believe that if you want something bad enough and you work towards that, it will come to you and you can make it happen. Yeah. And I like I'd like to add to like if you have given up on yourself, but there's someone in your social circle that hasn't, don't be scared to lean on that person. There's a reason they're in your life. For sure. They're and those special are the, people. Yeah, those are the people that, you know, those are the people that help me you know, feel like I had a reason more than just myself, you know, to, to try, you know, um, with, without people like that in your lives, it would, it, things would be pretty bleak and boring, you know, yeah. and it's special if you do have someone that, you know, cares enough about you to reach out or, you know, show you love or give you support. Like we should be grateful for that because there are a lot of people that don't have that in their lives. You know, a lot of people are, are alone and um, that's tough. I've never experienced being alone in that sense. Yeah. So I think if we do, if you do have that in your life, you should be very, very grateful. Um, whether or not it looks, you know, like a gift or not it is. Yeah, it is. Well, you've got a little garbage head in Kerhonkson in your corner now, my friend. <laughs> and if you ever need anything, I'd be more than more than grateful. You can always call or reach out. And I'm so honored and privileged that you were so open with your story. It's just it's so exciting to me. And congratulations on four years off of heroin. It's a miracle. You Thank know, you. I mean, however yeah. you want to describe miracle, that's your own thing. But um, you know, your job now is to make the rest of the world beautiful. And that's you're doing it, a good it. job. You're doing it, you're, you. your posts are killer, man. <laughs> like I'm thinking about growing my hair back out. I love you know, but uh, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Willie. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a great conversation. I feel like I skipped around so much, but that's like my brain is like okay. always in like a million different places. Yeah. So hopefully, people are like following at some point. <laughs> I think so. I think so, and I know you're gonna help somebody that that'll listen to this. And that's my mission statement is not right now to grow exponentially. Although one day my ego might get really into that, but right now we're just we're just like I really have this gut feeling that one person needs to hear what you have to offer. Especially, um, I got so much out of it. It's so beautiful. So thank you. Thank you so much for for having me and yeah. talking. You're All awesome. Right. All right, great ties, man. Have a good day. You too. All right, bye. Always. Everything's always. Hello. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Uncle Danny. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Yeah, yeah Uncle Danny. Hello. What's up? Nothing much. What's up with you? What do you mean, what's up with me? It's your birthday. What's that? It's your birthday. What'd you say? It's your birthday, not mine. What's up with you? I'm just hanging around waiting for dinner. You getting fucked up tonight or what? No. 
You smoking some blunts? Nope. Purple haze? Nope. Listening to the doors? No, can't say that I am. Getting some action? Oh no. Hopefully, right? One would hope. Yeah. So, uh, are you just hanging it with the kids? Yep. Yeah? You want to read an email? <laughs> I don't have a second device. You don't? I can, can phone it. I could. I'll call you back. I'll text you. Okay. All right? I'm calling you back. Yep. All right. All right, we're going to call Uncle Danny back. I reached the voice mailbox at the end. Oh, come on. Please leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Hello. What's up? Hey. Welcome back. So, did you notice there was two voices singing to you? Say that again? Did you notice there was two voices singing? I noticed there was a voice in the background, sure. That was your nephew. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's his first time on the podcast. Awesome. And he's not allowed back on until he's 18. (laughs) Okay. Because I do not want CPS knocking on my door. Okay. Good idea. Right? Yeah. You know what my favorite part about being sober is? What's that? Having a relationship with my son. That is a cool thing to have. That's the most important thing that I've gotten back. And I do have some regrets, a lot of them. But you know what? That doesn't help me today. So, But anyways, it's your birthday. So for your birthday, you get to read an email. Happy birthday. For my birthday, happy birthday? Yeah, happy birthday. You get to read an email. Read it up. All right. Hello, Willie and gang. I am writing to say that this week, since the time change, I have been going for evening walks while listening to the Willie Show, which should just be Willie Show. Thank you. I am walking daily to help work off the weight gain from years of binge drinking. Yeah. Listening to your show on my walks has been very entertaining and heartfelt, and I do three miles without even noticing it while I listen. Best thing is I get home with a sense of gratification for staying sober and walking instead of going to the bar. Looking forward to my walk this evening. Best listener. No, go over the name. Come on, let's out him. Oh. What's his All name? All right. Ryan from Kerhonkson. Yeah, Ryan from Kerhonkson. Woo! Woo! What do you think about that email? Another Kerhonkson listener. I love it. Yeah, it's a small community, man. It is, but it's a good community. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any story? you have a story you want to share with us? About- a story I want to share with About you. the first time you took LSD? <laughs> I don't have one of those stories at all. No? No. Still surprises no. me every time. Yeah, I don't think I really surprise you all that much. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't think I surprise your listeners either. There was, a t- there was a time that I was actively planning on dosing your food or drink. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I consider that like a weird form of uh, rape. Psychedelic okay. rape. So I didn't do that. No consent was given. No consent was given. And then there's been times when I've been at music shows in sobriety and I'm like, I wonder if someone would just slip a little something in my drink if I would have to start my day count over. Oh, real quick while I got you on the line. You going to come to my two-year celebration or what? When is it? At the end of April. The end of April, two-year celebration. Yeah, I like it. It's a Tuesday night. It's the last Tuesday, 7.30. You going to come? Yeah, if you send me a text with the date. Yeah, because sure. all the girls in my 12-step program want to meet Uncle Danny. Oh, I very much doubt that. Oh, <laughs> don't doubt it. You know what they say about getting girls in AA? What's that? That you're not supposed to. Yeah, definitely. You're definitely not supposed de- Good job. But they say <laughs> the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> you like That's that one? Terrible. You like that, Uncle that, Danny? That is terrible. 
Yeah, well, we're not a hotbed of mental health down at the 12-step farm. <laughs> hey, what are you caught up on? Did you listen to Sal? I did not listen to Sal. And you I did, did not get to chunk and, it this week. And you didn't hear Joe? I did not get to chunk it this week. I've got uh, two podcasts to listen to. All right, well, listen. Here's the deal. Between Sal and Joe, your life is going to change. And then this week we have Julian and oh my goodness. And then next week we have Lynette. And then the week after that, I either have Dan or Joe. A different show. Wow. Dude. You got them all lined up. That's awesome. People are booking them for... Life is fantastic right now. That's great. As as the kids say, I'm living my best life. Living my best life. Ooh. Are you living your best life, Uncle Danny? Living the dream. All right. Well, go out and get it. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And happy birthday. You're old as hell. I am old. Yeah. You're 41 now. 41. All right, that's fantastic. You know what happens at 41? Nothing. Nothing. Actually, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But, dude, good things are coming your way. Well, you'll find out. You'll be there soon. Yeah, I think so. Well, hey, I've got a lot better of a chance getting to 41 now. Sure do. My odds have increased. All right, well, a lot of love from all the listeners, um, and thank you for always coming on the podcast. No problem. All right. I'll catch you next week. All right. Hey, what about, what if we called our listeners the Willie Show Gang? Willie Show Gang? You can't say the. Well, they're listeners. I know. Willie Show G-Squad. Yeah, Willie Show G-Squad works, or or W-Squad, really. Dub Squad. Dub Squad listeners. Yep, that's it. We just coined a new phrase. You know everyone probably thinks that's horrible. All right, Dub Squad listeners, write us your emails and follow us on Instagram. Check out our Twitter account, and don't forget to subscribe to Spotify. I think I'm putting this... Yeah, I think I'm putting this on the end of the the episode. So, peace out. Peace out.